This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I have a few weeks to finish up, and we are going to finish up. We'll need to skip some material, but I want to hit highlights. Uh, as we study together Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, we've entitled this Measuring the Pilgrim's Progress, taking a deeper look into the spiritual truths that God taught Bunyan as he was imprisoned, as he looked at, at the England of his day, at the church in England, not the church of England, but the church in England in his day, what he saw in the lives of believers in his own church. He was their pastor. He couldn't do that because of being in prison. Uh, but so many valuable lessons, uh, really a topical series looking at uh, the things that you and I as believers face as we continue on as Christian pilgrims uh, on this earth. We're at the place in Bunyan's story where Christian and faithful are leaving a wilderness place and they come across a man by the name of Talkative. Not that you and I have ever met any talkative Christians. But that's not the point with this guy, all right? Um, time does not permit us to listen in on their conversation, but we need to pause and consider who this man was. Commentator Stephen Fazak helps us understand that talkative represents, quote, individuals, whether they're religious or just immature Christians, but individuals who love to engage in conversation on a wide range of religious matters. And as Christians, we ought to be ready to talk about spiritual things. Uh, it, it is a blessing. It's iron sharpening iron, and it, and it does help us. You know, what is God teaching you? Well, what is God teaching you? And, and we can edify and build each other up, even in our lobby conversations, right? But this particular uh, fella loved to engage in religious conversation, yet he was devoid of true and practical godliness. In fact, I have found with some Christians that talking about religious things is really kind of a screen for what's really going on in their lives. We can find people in the church and society who are like this. The only evidence that they walk with God is in their tongue, but you have difficulty finding it in their heart, in their home, and in their daily conversation, their lifestyle. Okay. They have a form of godliness, but you have difficulty seeing the power of God in their lives. And so as Bunyan presents talkative, he's challenging all Christians, but especially those who really lack depth and they just, they just want to talk and sound the part. We need to be so, so careful. Now, we can't judge what's really going on in someone's heart. Uh, but the point is our talk needs to match the walk, right? Bunyan wants his readers to understand the soul of true religion is the practical part. Uh, what does James tell us? You can talk about your faith, but if you have real faith, I'll see your faith by your what? By your works. 
So as Christian and faithful leave talkative, another man comes up from behind them and he joins them. And you'll recognize his name. Christian recognizes him and says, it is my good friend evangelist. He's back. Ah, said faithful, and my good friend too, for it was he who sent me on the way to the narrow gate. So as both of these men earlier leave the city of destruction, you'll remember they're trying to find their way. They've got this sin pack on their back, and they meet this evangelist, and he's there in the field to point them to the gate. There's the narrow way. So after a joyful reunion, evangelist says to the pair, I have sowed, you have reaped. And the day is coming when both he that soweth and he that reapeth shall rejoice together. And of course he's quoting from John 4.36 there. For in due season he reminds these men, ye shall reap if ye faint not. Again, another quote from Galatians 6.9. So evangelist admonishes them to not let anything in the world get inside them and to look well to their hearts and the lusts thereof. Don't follow the passions of this flesh is what he's admonishing uh, them with. Now God sends evangelists at a critical time. An evangelist, uh, obviously that's a term that refers to the actual spiritual gift of the evangelist. This man had it. Uh, it was alive and well in Bunyan's day. But it's a reminder to all of us that along the path, God puts us in the pathway. He puts us with fellow believers because going back to what, where, where talkative is weak, we need to be strong. Where we are encouraging each other and admonishing other, each other with spiritual truth because we need that light for the pathway, don't we? God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And sometimes as we're going through dark times, we need somebody to come alongside us with the light and say, be encouraged, here's where you need to step. Now before leaving them, Evangelist gave them a final warning. He said this, my sons, through many tribulations enter into the kingdom of heaven. In every city, bonds and afflictions abide you. Be ye faithful unto death, and the king will give you a crown of life. And of course, he's, he's quoting Paul. But he's reminding them your journey is not going to get easier. Until we are all in the celestial city, bonds, trials, problems await us. And so he parts from these men, and they head on their journey. Then Bunyan saw in his dream, as faithful and Christian continued on their journey, they presently saw a town before them. If you know Pilgrim's Progress, one of the most intriguing parts of the story, and, and, and in fact, one of the saddest parts of the story is what happens when Christian and faithful enter this town. But we can all relate to it. And so let's look at uh, this town. The name of the town is called Vanity. And at that town, there was a fair called Vanity Fair. Now, let me just pause for a moment. How many of you have ever heard from or heard about a magazine called Vanity Fair? 
do you realize that either that's just a big fluke or somebody knew what Pilgrim's Progress was about and they liked Vanity Fair, not what Bunyan was trying to show us? I don't know about that. I didn't even waste my time to look it up, okay? But the town was named because of what was sold there and because of those who bought there, okay? The things that were sold, uh, using Solomon's term, all is vanity. It's just empty. And those who went to that town to try to find satisfaction and to buy those wares, they were vain people. They were empty too. Bunyan comments that the place had a long history of 5,000 years, basically all of human history, before Beelzebub, Apollyon, and Legion, with their companies of demons, perceived that the path to the celestial city led through the town of vanity. Referring to this world. Therefore, they contrived, these enemies of God, contrived to set up a fair in that place to sell all such merchandise and offer all pleasures so that travelers would love the world and the things of the world since even Christian pilgrims cannot go out of the world. And so let's look at that reference together. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter four. And now drop down to verse ten. He says, We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise. We are weak, but ye are strong. We are ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even under this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. We labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Okay? And what he's warning them is about the fact that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And the world is going to consider us to be unworthy. And so until the Prince of Peace uh, comes back, we need to remember that the Prince of Peace traveled through this world ahead of us. Uh, but he didn't allow, as evangelists warned, he didn't allow things from the outside to get on the inside. He didn't love the world, the things that are in the world. In fact, uh, Jesus in his earthly ministry, what a testimony. He traveled light. He only owned the clothing that he had. Uh, birds of the air have nests, uh, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Now, that's not saying we shouldn't have earthly possessions. God gives us those things. All right, but the point is we don't set our hearts on them, and Jesus is our perfect example as we venture through this world. So as this pair enter Vanity Fair, the people of the town took note 
immediately and made a great gazing upon them. They stared. The hubbub about them was for three main reasons, and Bunyan lists these. First, the clothing of the two travelers was different from the raiment traded at the fair. The people therefore stared upon them. Some said that they were strange, while others called them fools. And even in Bunyan's day, uh, saints needed to remember that there's a way that the world looks and there's a way that Christians look. Second, as they wondered at their apparel, again, the people from this town, they also mocked their speech, for few could understand when they spoke the language of heaven. So, we don't look different just to look different, to be weird. But when it comes to the provocative, immodest way that the world looks to draw attention to themselves, uh, to, to take thinking in the wrong direction, Christians don't do that. Uh, in fact, Paul reminds, uh, or I'm sorry, Timothy reminds, or Paul reminds Timothy, I'm sorry, that women are to adorn themselves with literally the he, the Greek there is modest adorning. He goes on to talk about uh, how that a woman should never dress in such a way that if she knew what others were thinking, it would bring shame on her. Now, some who have uh, wrong minds, wrong thinking, they're going to think a certain way anyway. But but a sister in Christ should never dress in such a way to draw attention to herself or to encourage uh, the flesh. And by the way, modesty goes for men too. Uh, in fact, the, some of the most specific teaching that we have on the matter of men uh, or, or the importance of modest dress is, is to men and is found in the Old Testament. And so we need to dress in a way that honors the Lord and draws attention to Him. We also need to speak in such a way that we don't draw uh, attention to ourselves or make it sound like we're trying to fit in to this world. So these men spoke the language of heaven. Simply they talked about spiritual things. Clearly they were not from that place and to those in Vanity Fair they seemed like foreigners. Once again I want to draw our attention uh, to the passage that we have just looked at. Paul felt keenly how Bunyan felt in England as expressed through his own uh, story characters. He said to the Corinthians, Paul did in 1 Corinthians 4, 9, and 10, For I think that God has set forth us as the apostles last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world. And you can read on. Then thirdly, everyone in Vanity Fair noted that Christian and faithful cared nothing for what the merchandisers offered. They're walking through Vanity Fair, but they don't care what's for sale. If they called on them to buy, and this was happening as Christian and faithful walked through there, these two men quoted to each other the words of the psalmist, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, Psalm 119.37. 
They remembered they were to conduct themselves as citizens of the celestial city, looking for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Well, this really irritated the crowd, and one seller mockingly said to these men, What will ye buy? But they, looking with all seriousness upon him, said, We buy the truth. At this, many began mocking and taunting. Others called for them to be beaten. This resulted in such a stir that word was brought to the governor of that place who ordered the men to be brought and examined. They were questioned about where they were from, where they were going, and why they were trying to be different from the others. Christians said that they were going, on their, uh, uh, going to their own country, the New Jerusalem, and had given no occasion for the men of the town to abuse them. In other words, we haven't done anything. But they did not believe them and beat them and put them in a cage to be a spectacle to all who lived in that place. Now, if you read Pilgrim's Progress, at this point, things really begin to deteriorate. The governor of Vanity Fair laughed at all of them or laughed at all that befell them. But Christian and faithful were patient, not rendering railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. That sounds familiar too from Scripture, doesn't it? This caused some of those to see their innocence and that they intended no one harm. In other words, there were people that were watching their testimony and saying, okay, clearly these guys are no threat. They haven't done anything wrong. Soon words were passed between the two sides concerning these men. It's almost like the Pharisees and the Sadducees start in on each other, okay? These guys are no harm. Well, these guys did this. And in front of these, of, of pilgrim or a Christian and faithful as they're in this cage, okay, as, as they're watching this, it turned into a riot scene. At this, the governor demanded the men to be examined again which is just a nice way of saying, beat them. They were beaten, led through the streets, put in stocks, and then returned to the cage. There was more deliberation, and, and Pilgrim's Progress reveals that both were given the sentence of death. Folks, we are not in the friendly confines here. What did Jesus say? If they hated me, they're going to hate you. And what they did to Jesus is a pretty good indicator what they'll do to us. Now, praise the Lord for religious freedom. Praise God for his protection. But once again, what evangelists told these guys is true. And as you read through, for instance, Hebrews chapter 11, where does that go? Faithfulness leads to persecution. And one of these characters in the story is a man by the name of Faithful. Now, when we get back together, as the Lord allows, we're going to see what happens. And only one of these men leaves Vanity Fair. We're going to see what happens to him, and I'll remind us at that time that what happened to him 
was what Bunyan himself had witnessed. He just gets jail time. But Bunyan knew in the Europe that he, that, that was part of, of uh, just that time, that there were people that were being burnt to the stake. Other things were happening. In fact, it had happened in England prior to Bunyan's time. The difference was that in, with Bunyan, he had actually fought in Cromwell's army to try to stop that stuff from happening. And so these two, in the cage under sentence of death, they recalled again the words of their faithful friend Evangelist that such suffering would happen to them. They also now comforted each other that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ and they committed the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. 1 Peter 4, 19. I don't ever want to experience the kind of persecution that many in the church have experienced. But the journey of the pilgrims, Christian and faithful, it's the same journey for us. And in light of church history, it's unusual when Christians get to glory and they haven't experienced complete persecution. But again, I would remind us, this world is no friend to grace. It's not going to help you unto God. And so uh, Bunyan is also known for a uh, a hymn that he wrote uh, that we sang, and it's one that we should be reminded of. Um, God has called us to be a pilgrim. And so may we be faithful, not just talkative, (laughs) but that we would live by faith following the step footsteps of our Lord and not be entangled with the things in this world. Would you stand together with me? Let's close in prayer. Father, it is a privilege to know you, to serve you, and thank you for the perfect example of your son, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. You've told us to take up our cross. It may not be a literal cross. It may not be anything that threatens our physical life. But we are to take up the cross representing your specific will for us, not only revealed in the scripture, but where uh, the journey takes us, our pilgrimage to accomplish your will here. We need to take up our cross and follow. And Lord, for the joy that's been promised to us, we need to be faithful because one day too we will be in your presence. And So Lord, help us to walk with you, to love you so much that we have no room for loving anything in this world or being influenced to give our lives to it. 
Keep us safe, please, as we head home this evening. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.